This is Jane Lowe on site in Singapore at the Hack in the Box conference uh, held at the Intercontinental Hotel located in the Heritage Cultural District in Singapore. And today we have with me David Pethers, the co-founder of Crucial, a Web3 researcher and a security expert. And he will be sharing with us some of the highlights from his presentation earlier today on breaking Web3. Thank you, David, for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, so David, you are also the uh, Polkadot uh, ambassador, and Polkadot, of course, is um, we all know is co-founded or founded by um, uh, Gavin Wood, who was also the co-founder of Ethereum, and also he was the main person behind this uh, Web3 foundation and idea as well. And you yourself also talk a lot about Web3, and today your presentation is on breaking Web3. But before we dive deep down into Web3 and some of the vulnerabilities, tell us what is Web3? Because it means so many different things to different people. So Web3 is concept or kind of new concept, and it is meant to replace the old Web2 technologies, which uh, most people already know kind of well, where we have centralized systems, where we have non-blockchain-related uh, backends, some older types of protocols running, and Web3 is a new idea to replace and fix the issues which we faced in Web2, uh, starting with the over-centralized, over-commercialized problems, and also the monetization of, mm -hmm. of the values of the internet, and how it was meant to be uh, originally. So the aim here is to build up a new system which is not just what Bitcoin started with as transferring values from A to B in a decentralized system. That's basically just a coin transfer. And Web3 um, came into uh, a realization uh, somewhere around Ethereum, when Ethereum was born, I, I think that's where it started to really become a concept with the smart contracts which extended the previous original layers where we could only make the coin transactions and it was extended by program code so we can make mm -hmm. a transaction where we ask the blockchain to execute some kind of code. This makes it possible to have code that implements tokens, uh, voting system, governance and way more things. Mm -hmm. And that's why we hear a lot about you know, NFTs and metaverse because a lot of these are tokenomics or the use of tokens to exchange mm -hmm. um, uh, value in Web3. They are increasingly being adopted by gamers in metaverse, by artists, by uh, musicians as well. Right, so the next question is, you know, if we talk about the security aspects of Web3, you sort of cover that in your synopsis uh, of your talk. You, you talk about like um, code vulnerabilities, you talk about key management weaknesses, you talk about um, DDoS, right? Some of these concepts are quite uh, familiar to many of our audience in the Web2 mm -hmm. world. Um, so are we talking about, you know, the security stuff that we didn't fix in Web2? We'll bring with us to Web3, right? So Web3 is, is really different from uh, architecture point of view, and we see very different vulnerabilities, very different types of vulnerabilities. Uh, basically, a lot of types like SQL injection, this kind of uh, issues, um, 
though can exist in some forms because we are still using Web2 environments for smart contract interaction and we don't have yet a clearly Web3 environment. So we are still somewhat reliant on, on Web2 mm -hmm. technologies, meaning we still have some uh, possible vulnerabilities affecting the Web3 uh, spaces. But as we move forward, mm -hmm. I think we will get to a point where we, we will have uh, actual clean Web3 mm -hmm. uh, spaces where we don't have any uh, questions regarding for SQL injection mm -hmm. because there is no SQL or uh, any, any uh, similar database. But of course, we have new types of vulnerabilities, which uh, I explained in my talk today. For example, reentrancy attack is a is a very well known uh, vulnerability uh, where you basically break the logic of the program code, and this is this is kind of often missed by uh, by developers. So we see new types in case of Ethereum, where the language is called Solidity, which is most commonly used. We already know what kind of vulnerabilities we, we have and what are the problems we, we often face. And uh, there are always new Web3 uh, protocols and system, systems coming out. For example, in case of Polkadot, most of the uh, systems are built on Rust, adding some JavaScript for the front end. Um, but in this field, in, in, the, in the substrate ecosystem and in Polkadot and Kuzama, everything related to this, we, we are pretty uh, fresh in figuring out what the potential issues are and we just started to see what can go wrong. So there is a lot of work to figure this out and, and it's very interesting. Please. Right. So we will see what you're saying is that we will see different types of threat actors emerging because the sort of high profile um, sort of security incidents in the so-called crypto world affects like crypto exchanges, um, aside, of course, from the DAO incident, which is kind mm. of like a pure Web3 vulnerability because it's really the code and the governance around architecture around web, the, the whole design. But a lot of the high profiles are, you know, the crypto exchange hacks or, you mm -hmm. know, old-fashioned scams and things like that. So uh, those threat actors are very skilled at exploiting loopholes in using the traditional phishing, malware mm -hmm. attacks, right? So going forward, we are going to see different types of threat actors. Is that what you're saying? Um, in, in some ways, yes. I think we will still have this, uh, this same setup which we had in Web2 where we have the script kiddies that they only do some social engineering, some very simple things. We, we see a lot of these attacks um, against uh, cryptocurrency users, especially against MetaMask wallet. This is a very common attack that the, the attackers try to uh, make the user sign transactions that do some malicious activity mm -hmm. and the user doesn't know what he's actually signing and, and these kind of things. But, but this is more like the script kit level, mm -hmm. some, uh, some basic attackers. The more serious threat actors here, uh, for example, uh, we already know about South Korea doing a lot of activities. North Korea, uh, you mean? Uh, no, sorry, North Korea. <laughs> Yeah, so so we we know uh, the North Korean uh, are are hacking in a more serious manner and already uh, stole many millions from uh, from cryptocurrency projects and they don't just utilize the web three they utilize all the possible ways 
and uh, and also new types of exploits are found after incident response and so this is a really interesting space so you're saying that the nation state actors are getting their act together and uh, looking at uh, exploiting web3 and that is not going to be a surprise then yeah, absolutely. And uh, we have seen uh, interest uh, from uh, FBI, CIA, Europol and all, all the sectors um, because when the darknet forums were breached around, I think, 2015 or something like that, a lot of darknet uh, services were shut down and they took the bitcoins That's and right. all the other cryptocurrencies were uh, were taken and that's hell a lot of money. So, uh, of course, it's their interest to, to work in this field or mm -hmm. have people who have knowledge uh, and they need people who can uh, understand what blockchain is and how to use them, how to uh, take care of, of coins and make transactions and so on. Well, it's a brave new world out there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, in, in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Um, you touched a bit about uh, smart contracts. So uh, for our audience who are not too familiar with smart contracts or not have programmed with you know, Solidity or the other programs on blockchain, can you tell us in one simple sentence what is a smart contract? Mm, in one simple sentence, <coughs> okay. In simple layman terms. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if I would summarize this in one sentence, uh, then in cryptocurrency, no, in Web3, smart contracts are systems where you can use your uh, own wallets, your own identity mm -hmm. to sign messages uh, that represent some code and execute some actual code and make some actual actions happen. Mm -hmm. So it's different from standard contracts in a way that when you sign a contract, it's legally binding mm -hmm. and it, it's legally this and that, mm -hmm. but it is not ex executing anything. When you sign a transaction and you interact with a smart contract, basically that's immediately executed on the chain and gets mine uh, and most of the time transparent track of what was signed and what was happening. Okay, so if i going to use a very simple analogy. So a smart contract could be something that I write to say, um, taking this conference as an example, if I have a hundred, maybe hundred is too low, if I have a thousand people show up in the conference, each attendee can receive one token. So that could be a smart contract that I can write on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. Basically NFTs are are smart contracts in the background. So when you mm -hmm. uh, create an NFT, uh, what is actually happening is, uh, is a smart contract gets deployed on whichever uh, language and, and mm. network you choose. Mm -hmm. And so you talked about whichever network, whichever language. So smart contracts is not just Solidity and Ethereum, it's also a lot of other languages, a lot of other blockchains. Yes. Somewhat the answer is yes, but the history of smart contracts is a, is a bit longer than the story of blockchain because originally smart contract was invented by Nick Sabo in uh, 96, as I remember, I think that's the correct date. And he wrote about smart contracts and what mm. they could be. But the original concept of smart contracts is uh, really different from what Ethereum and, uh, and Inc. Uh, is actually implementing. There are some similarities, for example, that it's digital, you use your keys to sign, and that's a modern IT system, but uh, the core concept was more like, uh, which Nick Savov wrote about, 
is it included what we now call oracles in Web3. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the issue is that blockchains cannot really execute data uh, that is coming from outside in a way that, that it's, it is trustless because you need to verify. And if we speak about a really common example, how do you verify on blockchain that right now in Singapore in this room, it is 29 Celsius degree here now. Uh, on the blockchain, it's really hard to do. Like you would need to take all the notes here, which makes no sense and you would centralize it anyways. So there are some questions which mm -hmm. Nick Sabo was actually writing about. It was not uh, taken into practice though. Uh, in the 90s, there were some some projects trying to implement digital money uh, around 2000, but uh, they didn't really uh, grow. PayPal was the first that implemented something very different and it's far from it. Um, so there are differences, but, but we can say that smart contract is a general idea of interacting mm -hmm. with uh, cryptocurrency services and signing contracts, transactions. So if we look at the kind of um, security uh, concerns around smart contracts as they stand today, um, you, you presented a few examples um, surrounding you know, uh, possibly the way the code is uh, designed, um, software bugs, for example, right? Um, are, are these um, difficult to debug? Tell us about you know, the tools to help developers to debug all these software bugs, the auditing, you know, frameworks, right? The standards, like what is lacking out there that mm -hmm. can address some of these, um, <coughs> so many software bugs that we hear about in smart contracts mm -hmm. that lead to some, so many of these uh, security incidents? I think uh, the process of development is, is uh, somewhat similar to the Web3 world, but people need to um, think very, very differently. When you are developing in Solidity, for example, you need a, a different mindset. So there are two options. You either do not know anything about Web2 and you start fresh with Web3. That's the more lucky option. If you were a developer in Web2 and now trying to transit, you basically need to replace your thought systems because first of all, smart contracts or in case of Ethereum and Solidity, once you deploy the smart contract and you cannot change it anymore, right. except with some really hackish proxy contract tricks. But most of the time, once you deploy it, it works as you deploy that. If there is a vulnerability, then it stays there and you cannot fix that. So it is very important that you, you write high quality code mm. and you also, um, take security audits mm -hmm. and and someone actually checks the code mm -hmm. that it is doing what it is intended. And what I would add even more, not just security audits, but manual testing, because I've seen many cases where, where the projects went through development, they made the audit, and the business requirements were not clear. So if you do not clearly communicate to the security auditor what needs to be checked, then they won't won't know, they just use their mm -hmm. own logic and they think, ah, oh, yeah, that's okay, probably because I saw a thousand other projects and mm -hmm. it was working similarly. But business requirements are super important that, that are clear, or project requirements. Very interesting in Web3, we are more speaking about projects and not business anymore. It's more like project. That's an interesting point, right. Mm -hmm. Projects imply certain sort of uh, peers working together 
whereas business, you, you kind of think that is a hierarchical sort of traditional mm. setup. That, that's a very interesting point. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, we are not just replacing the, the Web2 and the development mindset there, but the, but the way of people thinking about about life and how these mm. these things, money and values are managed, and we That's are right. moving towards something very different from what we have uh, seen in the past 20, 30 years. I can only speak about the past 20-ish, so. <laughs> I think that will be another podcast. Um, but I want to pick up on the points that you mentioned about, you know, it being immutable. Once you deploy it, you can't mm -hmm. change it. So then what is the solution once you find out about, you can't go about doing a patch, can you? Like, like in today's, you know, patching. Yeah. Uh, if it's a, a simple, plainly deployed smart contract, if you have the vulnerability and people uh, have tokens and their money inside the smart contract, then that's it. There are, of course, different types of vulnerabilities. So, so it's not like the whole thing is fully broken and, and everyone lost the funds. Uh, but if it's a higher quality code and something might be figured out after the audit and all the tests, then uh, it might be possible that uh, the contract gets posed, a new contract gets deployed, and all the transactions from the original smart contract uh, gets migrated. So there are some ways to basically replay the past mm -hmm. transactions into a new smart contract. So it's possible to do some kind of uh, incident response by by deploying new contracts and leaving the the past contract behind, but this is a really really serious reputation uh, issue. I, I want to touch on the point about you know um, a lot of these uh, smart contract codes are also open source, mm -hmm. so Triactors obviously has a lot of opportunities or, or script kitties have a lot of opportunities to you know um, experiment with the code and find vulnerabilities. So I but I think to to drill down into this uh, open source and software. Support supply chain issues is probably another day's uh, conversation. Yeah, this can be a really, really long topic, but uh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's, that's, the, topic, that's the thing. I, I just had like suddenly a lot of ideas uh, to talk about. Um, yeah, the, that's a good thing that uh, most of the blockchain projects are totally transparent and the development is somewhat different uh, from what we've seen in Web2. People are more communicative, and, and this is a fresh environment, so, so the communication and the, the communities are way stronger right now than uh, in Web2. Security is a good example if you look at Web2 security people and the community, and if you look at which communities are getting into Web3, and if you look at the people you see there are a lot of fresh and enthusiastic people who mm -hmm. are interested in, in uh, actually doing some really serious hacks. Hopefully it's not just a hype that we, we all experiment with <laughs> for a few years and then we kind of move on. Um, but uh, like, like we say, you know, it's probably another day's uh, conversation. Um, right, so finally, right, um, I just want to briefly touch on your, your big uh, project, which is Crypto Capture the Flag. So mm. tell us about this competition and what you aim to see, say, from today or tomorrow's uh, conference. Mm -hmm. It started in uh, 2019 as a home project, basically, uh, with some friends from the Hungarian Budapest hackerspace. And I started to make some challenges, and I was invited with those challenges to a small conference in Hungary called B-Sides Budapest. And the game went really well and people enjoyed it 
and suddenly we started to uh, have some real prizes because people came to us to the conference, oh, I want to uh, give this as an award and this and that, and I was like, yeah, okay, that's nice, and we continued. Uh, with the next round and the next round and we just saw that the prices are increasing and when we were somewhere there I think it was volume four mm -hmm. and when we organized for the fourth time we had like 10k of prizes given out nice. on, a, on a single one-day conference we were like okay that's probably something really interesting and that's when Silur uh, joined the project uh, as a he's also a main organizer he was also my uh, I think it was in 2016, but early Ethereum developer. So he was actually also developing Ethereum. So we started to work together on CCTF from round four or volume four. And it just, you know, it started to grow. It's a totally non-profit um, project. And the goal of CCTF is to bring more awareness to security in Web3 world, uh, provide hackers some legitimate and legal ways to to hack those systems uh, we have really high prices compared to other ctfs uh, last time we gave out uh, 15k plus uh, another coins tokens and and that's something that not even google and and facebook is giving out to uh, to bug bounties sometimes they do because they need to show that they have big prizes but that's that's something not uh, really general and in crypto this is not a super huge money for the sponsors who sponsor our events so this is a really good combination because we help other crypto ecosystem to to be more secure and and raise awareness of vulnerabilities why the sponsors are happy because we organize this yacht party and the yacht event as the second round of each volume and the only the best get invited and the best play against the mm -hmm. best players and the sponsors can talk to them and meet them because those hackers you won't find on linkedin or social media or wherever some you do. Not yourself. I'm one of the rare species who who actually uh, has accounts there. Uh, it might not always be managed by me, but still there is an account. Uh, most of the hackers they don't appear anywhere. So so to be a sponsor in CCTF, it's very very uh, good for uh, for this uh, project because. They not just meet those people, but we also have the parties, and it's a really nice environment. And, and we had really good feedback so far. And hopefully, we do it uh, once in Singapore as well. Uh, previous to, we did in Dubai. Right. And now we, we are planning the next one, which might be again in Dubai or Singapore. Of we course, it has to be yet. Singapore. <laughs> you, you had one in Dubai, right, you say? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so, so the second rounds were, were there. And now I'm here in Singapore, not just because of the conference, but I'm also looking for the possibilities uh, to to find some some nice yachts and some uh, people who can help uh, set up the, the whole event. Mm -hmm. And we might also find some new sponsors because we, we are open to find sponsors yes. as well for CCTF. Well, I look forward to having your CCTF here in Singapore. Um, right, so, but uh, thank you very much, David, for your time today. Thank you for your presentation. Thank you for sharing your insights with us. Um, yes, so hopefully, you know, I see you back here soon. Yeah, hopefully, and thank you very much for uh, inviting me. And uh, thank you for the Hack in the Box conference, uh, for their invitation. Uh, it is really enjoyable, so I'm happy to be here. I also like Singapore. So we will see how the next round goes in CCTF. <laughs>